All right. Hey, good morning. Hey, I just want to say that, um, Ashley, great list this morning. Woo! It's like we're comparing notes. You'll hear uh, me repeat a few of those things this morning. But So she stepped out in faith this morning and said, I think someone might have a word for us today. And so I'm just going to say that is kind of new for us. We've done that for years in this church. We're... But it's different at times, right? But when we gather as the church, Jesus shows up. Okay, He does. He shows up. And there are times where he gives us, like for me personally, just a personal word, just in the quietness of my heart. But then there's also going to be times where he gives us a word or gives you a word, and it's not just for you. It is for you, but it's also for those around you. And it is a word of encouragement. We call it, we like to be churchy. We call it edify. We want to edify one another. It's just we want to encourage one another. And, um, and so um, while that was happening today, you know, Ashley was like, I really sense this. And I've done this before. Like, I sensed it, and nothing happens. And you're like, wow, that was bad pizza. Um, I'm, never, I'm never, ever doing that again. But after that, our time, Rick came up to me and says, I think I have a word. I think I have a word that uh, the Lord... And so here's the thing, and what I appreciate about you, Rick, and I'm, I'm telling on you, so you should never talk to me because I'm going to tell on you, <laughs> is he says it took, me a minute to, it took me a few minutes to process it. And I, I appreciate that because we should process it. And we should say, okay, God, is this bad pizza? Is this just me wanting to push my agenda, wanting to be up front... Jesus is looking for people who don't want to be up front. I'm telling you. He's looking for that. Just read your Bible. Very few of those people wanted to be up front. In fact, most of those conversations was, God, is there any way I can stay in the background? Can I just stay in the desert for another 40 years, Moses said? I just want to stay here. So, Rick, would you come and just give us that word? And as, as he's bringing that word, can you close your eyes with me? Rick, don't close your eyes while you're walking. But close your eyes with me. And Lord, we want to go back just a few minutes and be in that place where we're dwelling in the shelter of our Most High, in the beauty of your presence. We're always there, but help us to recognize that even this morning, right now, in this time, that we would dwell with you and not only just dwell with you, but we would hear from you in Jesus' name. I was uh, remembering Ezekiel 37 and where uh, the word says, speak to the dry bones in the valley of death. And then there's a rushing of wind and the Holy Spirit breathes life into the dry bones. And I, I think the context of that was a word for Israel but I sensed uh, this morning that that word is also for us, is that uh, if you don't sense the rushing of the Spirit to your dry bones, it's just a matter of time. He will breathe life into the valley of death, and he will breathe life to any dry bones here today, and it will happen. Um, and if you're just feeling dry, and that word is for you specifically, 
Man, would you just lift your hands to the Lord? Would you just say, God, that's me. And Holy Spirit, would you just breathe your life right now through the power of your Holy Spirit, through the power of who you are, because you love these ones. No longer dead, but alive in you. Just breathe life this morning, Jesus. Breathe life. Spring up, dry bones. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, many of you guys have heard, you've been reading about this revival, stuff happening in the United States. Um, it started off in Asbury, and now it's 1,000 students at Texas A&M. It's a big college. It's not a Christian college, but the Christians that go to that college have been gathering outside of the main auditorium um, and just worshiping and praying for God to show up in their school. And there's a stirring that's happening in the hearts of God's people. And I pray that it, it continues. And I was reading in Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15. It says, For this is what the high and exalted one says, He who lives forever, whose name is holy, I live in high and holy places, in the high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the hearts of the contrite. And what I love about what I've been watching is this isn't one of those revivals that we've seen. Like back in the 70s, there was a lot of stuff happening. Back in the 80s and 90s in Toronto and in Brownsville, I got to go to Brownsville and see, there is wild stuff happening. A lot of supernatural outward expressions of what God was doing. And whenever human beings are involved, it gets, sometimes it gets a little tweaked and a little bit crazy, right? But what I observed and watched, we, Heather and I watched the final. Uh, they were going to move the revival off campus so they could keep having school. But they want to continue the presence of God in their, in their school, and they're going to just kind of just allow students, because they've had thousands, 100,000 people have showed up in the last week and a half. And so they really um, are just saying, we want to create a safe place for our students to come and worship. Well, no, what I love about what has been happening here, it's, it's not like Elevation is there every night leading worship. Elevation is one of the biggest churches right now in the United States. They are pushing the edge right now as far as music, worship music. We do some of their songs here. It's not like Phil Wickham was there with his guitar. I love Phil Wickham. I love when he leads worship. It's not like Bethel or Hillsong United was there. And there's lights and just powerful music. It's literally a piano, a couple guys with their guitars, and a guy hitting a box, a djembe box. That was it. And a choir. God is speaking to a choir. And it was just this total humility, this posture of radical humility is what they call it. Like We just want to make it about Jesus. We don't want to make it about anything else. We just want to make it about Jesus. And that's what I really, really love about it. So just as I've been reading and looking through and, and seeing and even watching some of the videos, it's it's been a powerful movement. And I was scrolling through, I don't do this very often, but I was scrolling through Facebook the other day. You know, you kind of like this, right? And I was checking in on you. I was going to say something funny, but I won't. Because um, it probably wasn't going to be funny. That's why I'm not going to say it. Um, 
but I was scrolling through, and you guys know that when you're like through Facebook, and I know people, and I'm not going to point them out, Mom, but um, there's people <laughs> in Facebook that they'll see really cool stuff, and they'll like it, they'll love it, they'll care for it, um, or they'll repost it. So I'm just sitting there the other night, we're getting ready to have dinner, and I'm scrolling through, and Bob Stevens, hey, there's Bob Stevens on Facebook. Oh, he's cutting wood again. No, in this case, he just was writing about the revival. And I'm just going to have a real moment. And I've already shared this with Bob. I was like, I texted him. I said, Bob, did you really write this? Because there's so much stuff that we just repost and we paste and we copy. If you like this, say amen. If you like this, copy and paste it to 10 of your friends, right? We see that all the time. And as I'm reading through that, I just began to tear up. And I said to Heather, I said, you won't believe this. This is amazing stuff. So we read it together, and then and I just said, we just have to talk about this as, our, as a church, that there's revival happening, and it is a spirit of humility. And I just asked Bob, who I don't think has ever come up on the platform before. Um, he was so nervous, he was swerving all over the place out in the parking lot today. Um, <laughs> Maybe it was the snow. I don't know. I'll give credit for the snow. But I've just asked him, would you come and share um, what you wrote about the revival? So, Bob, come on up. Forgive me. I have to read this off my Facebook page on the phone, so I hope the glare doesn't blind you. I don't follow the news because it's so depressing, so I only heard about this last Sunday when our pastor mentioned it in church. Whether you call it a revival, a move of God, a spiritual awakening, or an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It started February 8th and has continued 24 hours a day for 12 days so far, spreading to other campuses and churches. People are coming from across the nation and from around the world to experience and participate in whatever God is doing. Sadly, inevitably, it's not without controversy, judgment, and even condemnation. Dismissed as hyper-emotionalism, the power of suggestion in large groups, or mass hysteria. Not from cynical, secular world, but from Christians slash denominations. I'm not qualified to judge, but the Bible says, man looks on the outside, God looks at the heart. You will know a tree by the fruit it bears. And when the disciples told Jesus that they ran others off who were speaking in his name, he said, don't hinder them. If they aren't against us, they are for us. Further, even one among the religious leaders of the day who sought to stop Jesus' disciples from ministering in his name cautioned restraint, saying, if this work is not from God, nothing will come of it. But if it is from God, there is nothing that we or anyone can do to stop it. Who is not aware of the problems we face in the world today? Pandemics, poverty, homelessness, addiction to alcohol and drugs, depression, suicide, human trafficking, war, racism, social injustice, political corruption, riots, crime, violence, mass shootings, terrorism, famine, floods, wildfires, earthquakes, climate change, pollution, etc. External political solutions in the form of resolutions, laws, regulations, programs, policies, and education, all costing billions of dollars, have not solved any of our problems. The Bible says that we are wretched, blind, and naked, and we don't even know it. We aren't hungry for God. We're starving to death for him, like people lost in the scorching desert, parched and driven mad to eat sand in a desperate 
but futile attempt to quench our burning thirst. When this oasis appears on the horizon, it is hastily dismissed as a mirage of false hope and only a bandage for the symptoms that are slowly killing us, when in fact it is the very systemic internal cure for the root cause of our fatal disease. Jesus said he is the living water, and we, when we drink of him, we will never thirst again. Jesus loves everyone and wants us to believe and trust him to forgive us our sin, heal our brokenness, and set us free so each of us can grow into the unique person he created us to be, is unconditionally surrendered new creation in Christ so we can do what he called and created us to do for him. And for decades in Western civilization, the spiritual tide has been going out. I hope it has reached full ebb, and this is the beginning of the fresh incoming flow that will build into a tsunami of God pouring out his Holy Spirit on all flesh in these last days before his imminent triumphal return as King of kings and Lord of lords. Maranatha, Lord Jesus. Let this, whatever you wish to call it, spread like the most contagious virus in history, a holy, cleansing, wind-whipped, raging wildfire that can never be quenched. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. The sad thing is there's no coverage on our local news here or on the national news. It's only in Kentucky where this is going on or in the south what is termed the Bible Belt that their local news stations are covering it. Um, I pray that this would just grow so that the world media couldn't sweep this under the rug. They could not ignore it. And that's my prayer. Thank you. Bob, you are quite the writer. Fantastic. Hey, let's take a moment. I want us to pray as a church. I mean, I think we respond to revival. We see this stuff, and um, we can be excited, um, but we can also be judgmental. We can be jealous. Um, we, all kinds of emotions. And what, I, what Bob just said is, Jesus is the answer for... Man, that was a long list of sad things. Um, but Jesus... And it's going to sound so basic, but Jesus is the answer. I don't know how he does it. I'm just thankful he does. And so we just need to humble ourselves and say, God, would you continue that work? Would you raise up dry bones? The songs we sang and even the words that have been given already this morning, it is God's heart for his people that we would come back to him and know him. And so I just want us to take a moment to, to pray, and maybe even a couple of you uh, pray out loud. And for those of you watching at home, would you pray with us? Pray with us. My Lord, we lift our eyes to the heavens because that is where you are and that is where our help comes from. Help us to see what the prophet's servant saw when surrounded by armies and even lost heart. He was reminded to look up and see the angel armies ready to fight, ready to battle, that outnumbered, so outnumbered the enemy. So may we see angel armies, God. 
Help us to know you more. God, we pray for more. There's more of you. And we don't rest on yesterday's manna, but we want more of you. We humbly ask for more of you, Jesus, that you would stir us, that we would capture your heart for us as individuals, but also for, for those around us, God. Help us to grow. God, help us to grow. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as we wrap up Second Peter, we're, we're, get, we're almost done with Second Peter. He encourages us to grow. He says grow in two areas. Grow in grace. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'll raise my hand. I have a long ways to go in growing in grace. You can ask one person in this room. Well, you can ask probably more than one person in this room, and they'll tell you all about it. And then also to grow in my knowledge, my, to grow in my relationship with him. To grow in grace and to grow in my knowledge of him and my relationship with him. I heard a great definition on a revival this week, and it says, Making alive again those who have been alive but have fallen into what is called a cold or dead state. And our world has experienced this kind of two plus years of kind of a harsh winter, if you'd call it. But like out in front of my in front of our house, we have these little, I mean, it's cold out. I mean, I live in Wilkeson, people. It's cold in Wilkeson. It's usually about five to six degrees colder there than it is here. Even though you guys had snow this morning, we did not. But in our, uh, in our flower beds already, we have these little um, flowers already, already blooming, and they're called snowdrops. I think they're called snowdrops. You need to ask the, the boss. Um, and I'm just thinking, how unique, like right now, in the midst of winter, it's still winter. I'm praying for spring. Anybody praying for spring? Anybody like spring? Yes. But winter, I, winter is important. As much as we might not like it, as much as we might want to fight against it, as much as we want to dread it, winter is important. Because for our plants, it's a time to rest. It's a time for them to focus on what's going on on the inside. You don't really see much going on the outside with your plants. In fact, most of our plants don't even look alive right now. It's a time that in the wintertime is when their roots are strengthened and really grow deep. And man, as I read this, and I was like, wow, that sounds like us. It sounds like exactly what we need, church, is... We need some winter time. We've had it. I mean, I'm not I quite. I've had it with winter. Yeah, we have. Because spring is coming. But I want us to know that the winter season that we have gone through, not just this year, but the, the season that we've gone to has been with purpose. You know, it didn't surprise God that all this stuff has been happening in our world. It doesn't surprise Him. But it's a chance for us to this winter time that we've had, it's a chance for us to rest in Him. It's a chance for us to focus on the inside and what He wants to do in us. And it's a chance for us to deepen our roots in Him. 
Exodus 33, 14. It's when Moses is, Moses and God had such a unique relationship. If you have not read through Exodus for a while, then you should. You should. I'm not going to say as your pastor you should, but I will say just as a brother in Christ, you should. Because Moses and God had such a unique relationship, face to face, well, presence to presence. Moses did get to see God. Did you guys know that? Not face to face, though. He got to see God as God walked by. He saw Jesus walk by in the cleft of the rock. Such a powerful story. But Moses had conversation with God all the time. And they talked about, it wasn't like Moses walked down in prayer prayer hands. It was like real, in-your-face conversations. And at one point, you, you think like, Man, God is done with Israel. I mean, like, done, done. And it's like, and if you're reading it, you're like, it's almost like Moses talks God out of it. I don't believe that we can talk God out of anything personally. But God was frustrated with Israel. And it's Moses who steps in and says, but they're your people. I want to remind you, God, these are your people. You're the one that saved them. You're the one that rescued them. If you destroy them now, Egypt will win. They're going to say, see, they don't have a God. They went out to the desert and they just died. And what was going on in Moses is Moses, because Moses just weeks before, days before, hours before, was having that same conversation with God. Just destroy these people. Let me just go back to the desert and do what I do. I'm done. And this is the roles that were reversed. And they're getting ready to go into the promised land, so they thought. And Moses said, we're not going unless you go. God says, I'll bless you, just go. Because God was done. And what Moses prayed is like, unless you go with us, we're not going to go. Man, that's my prayer all the time, church. For us as a church, I pray that all the time. For me as an individual and for our home, I pray that all the time. God, unless you're a part of it, I don't want to be any, have any part of it. And this is God's response. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. This is a winter time for Israel, even though they're in the desert. It was a winter time. It was a time for them to rest I mean, for 400 years, they'd been slaves. 400 years. This was going to be a time for them to rest and allow God to take care of their needs. And you know that they woke up, walked outside their tent, and there was their breakfast, lunch and dinner. They would run out of water, and they would come out of a rock. God provided for every need for them. It was a time for them to rest. And then Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And there are yokes and burdens that we all carry. I don't even know if a lot of us, we're not talking eggs here. When we talk about yoke, it is like back in the day, they would link animals together and they would collar them together with, I should have brought it. My great-grandfather made me little ox yokes and I have it in my garage right now. I should have brought it. 
And they would link them together, and it was treacherous work. It was treacherous work. And what Jesus is saying is, when we walk with him, we find rest in him. And that the burdens that we carry and the yoke that we have carried doesn't have to be that way anymore because Jesus has carried that yoke for us. He has carried and will carry our burdens for us. So wintertime is a time of rest. It's also a time for us to focus on what God is doing on the inside of us. You realize that God works from the inside out. He doesn't work from the outside in. He doesn't ask you to clean up your act and then say, now you're ready to know me. What he does is he reveals himself to us. And in our absolute brokenness, in our absolute, I've been using the word around our house a lot lately, chaos. In the absolute, not, not that anything's wrong, we're fine. <laughs> we're, we're good? Okay. Um, in the absolute chaos of our life, and we say yes to him, and that's when he just begins to, to work on us. And it's always from the inside out. We can never, in, our, in and of ourselves, clean ourselves up enough to be presentable before him. He just loves you for who you are, and he will take care of those things. For some of you, it's quick. For me, not so quick. But the more I spend with him, the more I rest in him, the more I dwell with him in the shelter of the Most High. He works from the inside out. And then my outsides begin to change because my inside has changed. Proverbs 21.2 says, A person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs our hearts. And 1 Samuel 16 says, The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at our hearts. So wintertime is a time of resting, it's a time of focus, but it's also a time to deepen our roots, seeking His living water and the nutrients of His Word which strengthen us, creating better and stronger roots in Him. That's what winter does for us. Jeremiah chapter 17. We've sang, it's so funny, some of the songs we sang have these phrases in them. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. Its leaves are always green, and it has no worries in a year of drought, it never fails to bear fruit. So it's rooted strong. Ephesians chapter 6, or Ephesians chapter 3, 16 through 19. I pray that out of the glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. I will say 
Winter is needed, but I want to encourage us as a church that spring is coming. And I'm not just talking calendar stuff. I really believe that spring is coming, that he's going to bring new life. That's all I want is for us to experience new life in him. I look around the room, I, I think I know almost all of you. In fact, I do know all of you. I see Nate in the room. I know Nate. And that's what we pray for as a staff at this church. We pray that you would experience new life in him. New life that he would spring up. And I, I'm sitting in my place where I study. And the old song, spring up, oh well, within my soul. Spring up, oh well. Mitch, stop laughing at me and make me whole. Spring up, oh well, and give to me that life abundantly. And good job, Effie's and Annie. They were choreographed back there. They were doing the spring up, oh well. Splish, splash, right? But it, shouldn't that be our prayer? God, spring up in us. All that's dead inside, come alive. That song this morning, I almost told Ashley, camp here. We should camp here. All that's dead inside, come alive. And I'm trying to find music, and there's no music. Here it is. I come abandoned. Lord, I come empty-handed, longing for you. My soul is thirsty for your presence, hungry for you. Take this offering Burn inside me, come and consume. Lord, send revival and stir in my heart, desperate for you. Awake my spirit to know you, awake my spirit to know you more. God, would you do that here? All that's dead inside, come alive. Spring up, oh well, within our souls. Spring up, oh well, God, and make us whole. Spring up, O oh well, and give to us, Lord, the life, this abundant life that you promise. Lord, we have it. Help us, as your children, help us to walk in it. Help us to live it. Spring up, O oh well, within us, God. Help us to grow in you, in Jesus' name to grow in grace. What do we know about grace? Well, that's why we're saved, Paul says. It's because of grace that we're saved. It's not because of the work. It's not anything that we have done. We cannot earn salvation. We cannot earn eternal life. It is simply because he loves you. That's it. And that is hard for us to understand. That's why Paul prays that we would grasp this incredible concept of how wide God's love is for us. How high, how deep it is hard for us to grasp because I want to be able to work for it so I can check a box and say I'm good and I can move on. God doesn't work that way. He simply loves us. And yes, he asks us to surrender our lives to him just like he gave his life up for us. He does. But after reading Bob's list and hearing Bob's list again this morning, that long list of 
sadness. It's real. It's out there. But we don't have to live in that. Because Jesus says when we walk with him, it doesn't matter what's going on around out there because on the inside we have abundant life. And how can we have joy in the midst of the crazy? It's because of his grace. Paul said, God's grace is sufficient for us, even in the midst of our struggles. Paul had this vision. Now, he's called the Apostle Paul, even though to be called an apostle, you had to have face time with Jesus. So the 12 disciples became apostles. One of them chose not to be an apostle anymore. He made that decision. So there is 11 they elected another one. That's a fun story if you ever want to read about that one. If you like dice. Okay. Um, but the apostle Paul is called an apostle. Why? Well, Jesus was gone. Well, because he had FaceTime with Jesus. On the Damascus Road, even though he was blind and couldn't see him, he still had FaceTime. But then he had these FaceTimes with Jesus, and, and the heavens were revealed to him. And that's what it says in that passage right before he, he writes it in 2 Corinthians. And because of the things that he had seen and the things that he had experienced in Christ, he was given a humbling, something that humbled him. We don't know. Some say it was his eyesight because of the blindness, and yet he was healed, but he still struggled with his eyesight. Some say it was um, his hands, he couldn't write, it was whatever it was. And Paul says, I have prayed, like serious prayed, three times about this situation. And after praying about this situation, God did not heal me, but told me, my grace is sufficient for you. And the word grace there is, my divine influence in your life is sufficient. The fact that I'm with you and will always be with you, that is sufficient for you right now. And my encouragement to us is to, first of all, receive his grace. You don't have to work for it. It's free. It's yours. It's a gift. I like gifts. Once in a while, I walk into my desk, and there's a gift. Once in a while. It could be more. That's up to you. It's a gift. And if I just walked in like, oh, that's kind of cool. I have a gift on my desk. And I just pushed it aside and just started typing away and doing my stuff. That's, it's, I can't get the full enjoyment of that gift unless I open it up. I'm like, oh, it's a million dollars. But are you capturing what I'm saying here? The grace of God in our lives is a free gift, and we simply have to say yes. And when we say yes, Paul goes on in Ephesians chapter 2 and says, do you realize that God has plans for you? Every single one of us that say yes to Jesus, he already has plans that he's prepared for us to do. He like went ahead of us like, oh, I'm going I'm to get them all set up. And it's going to be good stuff, is what he says. But we have to say yes first. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. You can't inherit it. Just because someone else has it 
You can't just go stand next to really close to him and like, I want some of that. You have to receive his gift of grace yourself. And maybe for some of us this morning, we're struggling with just where we're at in life. It's been a long winter. I'm tired of resting. I'm tired of looking inside. I'm tired of my roots growing. I just want to see the sunshine again. And for those of us this morning, His grace is sufficient for us. The fact that He is working and active in our lives is all we need. It's all we need. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm excited next week we have another three-sermon Sunday coming. And so Pastor Jan and, and Rick and Lonnie are all going to share a little bit. And then the following week after that, we're going to wrap up Second Peter. God, this morning, we receive your grace. And in this room, at home, wherever we're at watching, there's all kinds of circumstances. Some of us receiving grace for the very first time. Understanding that there's nowhere we can turn to have life except to turn to you. Jesus, and you give us life. For some of us that have known you for a while and our circumstances are difficult right now, God, I thank you that your grace is sufficient, the fact that you are walking with us right now. And yes, God, as your children, we ask for healing because we believe that you are a God who heals today. We pray for restoration in relationships. God, we pray that anxiety would be broken in Jesus' name, that the incredible sense of your peace would rush over us like fresh living water. Your peace would come. God, that you would spring up in us living water again. Lord, not just surface stuff, deep living water moving in us, flowing through us and over us. Help us who have said yes to you be living water to those around us. To have the joy of the Lord because your joy is our strength in the midst of the winter. But also help us, Lord, to have eyes to see the spring. To look forward to new life. And we pray for that in Jesus' name. New life today. In the lives of those who are watching at home. In the lives of those who are here present and whoever is watching, whenever, a new life would spring up because of what you're doing. And Lord, help us to grasp your love. It is wide, it is deep, it is high. Help us to grab onto it and just know it. And then help us to give it away and to spread it. In Jesus' name. And the church said? Amen. 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 Well, so good to be with you. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Cindy, for sharing this morning. If you are interested in connect groups, we're going to meet in the modular in about 10 minutes. Lunch is provided. If you just want a free lunch, we got plenty, so come over for free lunch.